What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jacobs. We're here with episode 39 of the Bucks Leading Radio. I'm joined by a friend of mine, Kane Pittman, in town. Um, Bucks are 7-0, and man. Life doesn't get any better. It doesn't. It's, um, it's pretty shocking, to be honest, but I'm happy to be back here. Our second one in person. Mm-hmm. I think I, I joked about it last time, but it's better than you know the phone cutting out every, every couple of minutes or something over to Australia. So, yeah, this is good. It's a good setup. It is in the home studio downtown Milwaukee, right by the lake. A um, little rainy out today, but you know we're all happy as Bucks fans in here, in Milwaukee. Um, maybe not as Packer fans, but that's okay. We all have something to lean our head on here, anyway. Um, so a lot of games to talk about since our last episode. We got five total games. So, okay, let's start from the back. Give a couple high-level points on each of them that we thought. And then, you know, can kind of dive into the rest of uh, everything going on with the Bucks and in the NBA after that. So let's bring this back all the way to Knicks versus the Bucks. Um, both of us were at this game. You um, as a media credentialed journalist, me as a drunk pedestrian. <laughs> and um, boy, what a tough game it was to watch. I mean, we looked good that first half, but that third quarter, Knicks really made a push. And obviously, we ended up getting that win, but, you know, give me your couple high level thoughts right away. Yeah, I thought this was. And, and in the end, again, they won by double digits, but I thought this was a game where it was another test where of the new offense mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you get to halftime and they're up by 19. Everyone's, you know, everyone's happy. Everyone's like, wow, this is too easy. This is what we expected. Mm-hmm. Let's start thinking about Philly on Wednesday. And then next thing, they shoot one for 13 from three in the third quarter. And it was, it, it felt like the first little test of, yeah, what are they going to do? Are they going to go into their shell? Are they going to keep shooting the ball? Um, in the end, they did. And then they pushed away again because that third quarter was all about New York uh, shooting Yeah, within the within the perimeter. There were a lot of mid-range jumpers. And uh, and the Bucks were like, okay, well, you can do that. The game got tight. They didn't worry them. They stuck to what they were doing. And in the end, the shots started to fall and, and, and they pushed away. But I guess there was a... I never really felt like they were going to lose. I, I I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of getting close. But I never, I don't feel like there was ever a point where I was really worried that they were going to lose the game. I guess I felt like they were getting good looks the whole time, and like they, they're eventually going to start dropping. So I've been from the start one of those guys that I'm like, if they miss ten in a row, I don't really care as long as they're good looks. And I felt like they were. So I, I think it was a good. Um, test of the offense and I think it came through and it probably gave them a lot of confidence that that, that they can miss miss some, go through rough patches, but in the end it's going to correct itself. Yeah, I think that, well, so first couple things to touch on in your comments. I, I'm the complete opposite of the spectrum where I thought we were going to lose that game. Um, you're going to hear me probably talk about this a lot during this podcast, but I've been waiting and I'm still waiting for our quote-unquote trap game of team that you would expect to beat. Um, Golden State had that against the Kings, and they ended up losing that game, um, which we play on Sunday. Um, so I thought Knicks, you know, we were 2-0 going into that, kind of a kind of an easy swing without Chris Stops. No really star, no real star on the Knicks right now. But when I, and I was at that game, and Knicks made that push in the third quarter, and I thought, oh, God, here it goes. It's like the Charlotte game all over again. We're going to blow a big lead. We're going to lose the game. Um, 
But I think it's a testament to the coaching staff and a lot of the confidence that all the players have expressed from Budenholzer has kind of given them. Because, I, I, and I can't imagine you disagree with me, last year we would have lost this game under Jason Kidd. Do you not agree? No, I think we would have. Um, and it was it, it was a testament to both like the coaching staff, what they've been telling these guys, and then what the players are able to tell each other and speak to each other. And I know Giannis, after the game, was asked that question. I think Eric was the one who asked about, uh, you know, was he concerned about, was Giannis concerned about the Knicks making all these shots in the mid range? And he, he just said, no. He's like, well, he's like three, you know, three is worth more than two. He's like, it's a, and that was the way he answered that. And that, that's what he described as what the players were telling each other, that it was, it felt different to the Charlotte game for me, where it felt like the team truly sort of went into its shell a little bit. Whereas in this game, it wasn't that. It was just literally shots weren't falling. And then they just had to work their way through, see a couple go down. And in the end, I, this is, I don't have this written down, but I think they were, I think they might have shot something like seven for eight in the, in the fourth quarter from three. So they rebounded from one for 13, shots start falling, and then it, it all, the numbers just evened out. So um, I think that was the first time we've seen the team face that sort of challenge with the offense and then push through it and get a good result which I think is positive for them to see that that can happen I think so too and I yeah I think you're right I mean I wasn't ever mad at them taking threes I'm not mad at that at all I and I I get a little upset sometimes when I see Bledsoe pull up with like you know 20 seconds left on the shot clock but I mean, I mean, that's kind of the, if he's open, you know, that's what Budenholzer said, you know, the quote, let it fly, which has been kind of rolling around Bucks media and, you know, heard from Coach Budenholzer on the side of the court. So, I mean, you know, I think Nick's game, it was a game we should have won. And I think that they gave us a run for our money, but we kind of showed that we were the better team. We came together and Giannis kind of didn't necessarily put the team on his back, but really helped it. I mean, down the stretch, obviously, he did in that fourth quarter, but as a team, they really rallied. Yeah, they did. And, and, it was, again, a, a, it was a, a game that you would like to think that this team would win comfortably. Look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, and I, I guess they did. There was a little bit of a hiccup in the middle there. Uh, you would probably prefer not to lose a quarter by 18 points, but they, they handled the other three quarters and, and got, got um, what was a comfortable win in the end. So they uh, remained undefeated heading into the, the Sixers game. Yes, and you can't be mad at going 3-0 and against essentially what you would argue would be the next biggest rival to the Bucks um, from a talent standpoint and necessarily, not necessarily, or a standing standpoint in the in the playoffs picture. Because you look at this team and I felt like the Sixers has and the Bucks have been compared to each other kind of on their come up throughout the years as Joel Embiid has kind of blossomed into the superstar that he is and Giannis as well. And this was a big game for us to prove that we were better than them or just as good as them. And boy, did we start out slow in this game. So, Kane, you know, why don't you again give me your high-level thoughts so far and we can dive into this. Yeah, the Sixers are... If I, if I could pick a team that the Bucks would have, you know, for now, a, a true rival, it would be Philadelphia. And I, I think that's um, also based around the fact that the Bucks probably... And they haven't, they haven't uh, talked about it a lot, but I think they probably feel... Like they deserve to be put on the same level as Philly, and for whatever reason, they just haven't. Um, everyone wants to talk about Philly uh, before the season. They want to say that this is the next, or they have been when they talk about the process and all the rest. The Bucks have just been, you know, sort of 
uh, mediocre, I guess, through a number of reasons. But um, I, I felt like the Bucks always felt internally that they had the talent to match this team. And um, I think Philly stagnated in the offseason. I, I don't think that they got better at all. In fact, I think they probably got worse. And uh, I, I, th- I thought I felt comfortable coming in that the Bucks before the season, I felt comfortable the Bucks were going to be better than Philly for that reason. I don't think Philly's got enough shooting. Um, and I, I think we really seen that. I mean, again, I was sitting in this game, and the Bucks were at one point there was there was something like nine percent from from three and like seventeen percent from the field. And I look at the scoreboard, and I'm like, wow, they're only down six points. I'm like, this is like this is not going to continue. I'm like, I don't know how they're not down by fifteen points. I wasn't expecting a forty nine point second quarter, but that again just changed everything. And then from then on, it was like as soon as the Bucks like hit their straps. The game was over, and Philly were never really. I mean, they they were they were blown away in this one. It was not close, and and it's not like I mean they they had everyone on deck. So it was you know they were just they they just weren't as good as the Bucks in the end. The Bucks completely destroyed them in pretty well every area. They definitely did, um, but I think that and this is my question to you: Is there an asterisk on this win against the Sixers having this be a? I think this was a back to back for Philly. They had just played two overtime games. And, you know, the argument could be made that they were exhausted. If you played a refreshed Sixers team, it would be a lot tougher and they wouldn't have ran away with it and maybe not even won. Yeah, I would, if, so this is the way I see it. If, I, if this game was a lot closer and maybe the Bucks pushed away late, okay. then I would say, okay, sure, you know, they're on a back-to-back. That These things, you know, a schedule win, I guess, as they call it, but uh, it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I don't know. To me, I, I was the guys that they want to be impacting the game just weren't able to. Um, Simmons, in particular, we've seen before that that the Bucks um, will pack the paint as everyone will against Simmons. But they mm-hmm. were they were happy to run out that lineup of Henson or Lopez with Giannis and Ersan, um, and that that just limits his effective effectiveness altogether. He was only six for fifteen. I know he had a triple double, but um, it it felt like a little bit of a shallow triple double for Simmons. He didn't feel like he really influenced the game in any way. Embiid was the same, nine for twenty four, uh, and they're the two guys that you really want to fire for them. And I think that the Bucks, is, particularly now with Embiid with Lopez, is just such a huge addition to have a huge body that can actually get into Embiid there. I, I think that um, I think the Bucks match up pretty well with them as currently constructed. And and yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, for mine, it's it was the win was what it was. I thought the Bucks were, were the better team coming in, and I think they they um, they really dominated the game. Well, I think definitely one thing you saw you saw in that game, and you're kind of seeing this season with the Sixers, is that their lack of three point shooting ability. Now that they've lost Marco Bellinelli, they've lost Ursan Silva, two guys that were very impactful for them in their playoffs. Um, but I mean. Another thing that you didn't you know didn't touch on, but how about JJ Redick? You know he was kind of doing what he was supposed to do, nineteen points plus five on the plus minus stats, and yeah, Joel Embiid thirty points, as you mentioned, they were very inefficient thirty points, and we still were able to run away with this game, one hundred twenty three points to one hundred eight. Um, you know I think I actually agree with you. I hadn't really thought about it that way. That had this game have been closer, you could argue that if the Sixers were refreshed, they would have beat us. We kind of did get a quote unquote schedule win with that. So I, I like that take. I think that's a good way to express that, that we are a better team, and I think we are. And I think we always were. 
I think it's just really shown how bad our coaching was and how maybe really bad that just dropped us down. And, and I feel like we're beating a dead horse every every time anybody talks about how much we love Bud or how, how different the team looks out there. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be keep it's going to keep getting brought up this season, and especially as it progresses, depending on how long, one, this win streak goes, and two, how long we can stay top five, top three in the East right now. And, um, you know, I think that we look over to the Western Conference, people will be playing in the, hopefully, NBA championship. <laughs> um, you know, we played the Timberwolves next, who are a complete garbage fire, and we're able to kind of run away with that game. But, you know, if you have any takeaways from it, you know, drop them in now. Um, I really never thought we were going to lose this game, even before we did, just because of the bad chemistry that they have. And Tom Thibodeau is still their head coach. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add uh, with this game. Um, I guess we've seen a lot of guys get some minutes late that haven't played or hadn't played to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was a different look but yeah I mean this one was over quickly uh, again Bucks are up by 25 points at half time and I, I was there and the Timberwolves fans are not happy right now uh, they were not happy that night there was a lot of um, humorous comments getting uh, thrown at uh, Jimmy Butler uh, I think we I think we spoke a little bit about the Timberwolves last time but yeah, I don't really see any way that they get anything out of this season. I think the season's done uh, for them because I'm just not sure how they piece together everything. I mean, they're so fractured right now. I know they won last night, they beat the Lakers, but um, they're just not happy there. And with Tibbs and then you got Towns and Butler, it's just a complete mess. And and that game was... Uh, yeah, I mean, that was... It was at at times tough to watch. It was just like, okay, well, let's wrap this up because uh, the Bucks are going to play tomorrow. Let's let's move it on. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how it was. I was kind of glad that it didn't go down to the wire because we had a back to back. I mean, Giannis and Middleton played twenty three and twenty five minutes respectively, so you really kept their minutes down, which is good. Um, going back home and you know having a, a not necessarily walk away game next night. Um, yeah, the Timberwolves. I agree. I don't. What are you doing? Like. I don't understand why just give Jimmy Butler up you realize that he's not going to be there anymore are you really trying to get value out of him are you trying to keep him for some random playoff win and to your point about the Lakers you beat a kind of a bad Lakers team even with LeBron I don't I I don't understand with that if that means that much but you know I'm not in the West and I honestly don't care anymore so (laughs) you know but like like we kind of talked about um, 30 point victory over the Timberwolves uh, held some minutes down for our starters and took us into that magic game at least a little more rested than it could have been for sure um, magic game though a little drama our star player gets knocked in the head inadvertently to Aaron Gordon's point um, but that kind of affected last night's game against the Raptors but you know before we dive into that let's go high level 113 to 91 victory but what do you think? Yeah, again, it was another game where, I mean, the Bucks just handled business again. It, might, it was a back-to-back, but, uh, you know, they got a lead early, they ran up a lead, and they held on to it. it it's, uh, I mean, the only thing, the only slight difference with this game was the three-point shooting was down. It did feel like they went, or, or seemed to make more of an effort to get in the paint. It was kind of interesting to, to see because, 
you know, for this for this version of the Bucks, they only have thirty three point attempts. Is mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. They, they've is. been getting up th- at least forty. So um, that was sort of interesting. Um, but again, Giannis was definitely the story out of this one, um, and probably more so after the game. What he had to say after the game, and then obviously we know what happened yesterday. He didn't play, but. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a kind of an interesting situation how it all panned out because I guess for mine, I was, uh, I, I mean, I was just shocked that he even came back out on the court in the last quarter, regardless of whatever he was feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they're up by 25 points. Uh, I didn't, you know, for mine, I was like, well, there doesn't appear to be any advantage to putting him back on the court unless you were, were trying to prove that he was healthy so he could play against Toronto last night. I mean, that's maybe the only thing um, because it, it didn't seem like a situation where you're going to get anything out of putting your star player back on uh, when you're up by 25 for mine. Yeah, and that that was kind of confusing too, and I think everybody was. But, I mean, maybe you think he thought he was fine. He, you know, his comments after the game are a little scary, but... You know, we weren't there at the moment. We weren't a part of his tests. But, yeah, I mean, just even... It's your, I mean, I don't even know if I have any more more to add to that. But up 25, you're going to put your best player out there, fear of making that injury worse, sitting in longer. And then even if you were to lose this game, okay, well, it's one game. You, you know, you lose your star player for the rest of that game. And then, obviously, maybe the next one, which as we found out, you did. Um, but, yeah, that was weird. And... I was watching part of this game, I, you know, it was, it was Saturday night here in Milwaukee, a good, a good Halloween weekend, so I wasn't catching all of it, but, you know, I, I was never worried that we were ever going to lose this game as soon as we got up, and I was watching it, and the Magic just aren't good, you know, the, our team is just by far more talented, without even without Giannis on the court, and I just thought, okay, it, Bud's going to run away with this. Um, you got to see a little bit more. Pat Connaughton got 19 minutes last game. Um, Snell with 23. He's kind of getting more in the rotation these last few games, which has been interesting. Um, Sterling Brown with eight. You know, Maker got on six minutes. So Deli, your boy, got six minutes. So those are kind of nice to see. Obviously, garbage time minutes, but you know, it's kind of good to see to get everybody out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, six zero at this point, four zero at home. Bucks are feeling good. We go into the Raptors game. Come to find out, first they're sitting Kawhi, and then I found out after that I think that's how it was released, right? They released they're sitting Kawhi, and then the report came out that Giannis was out due to concussion protocol. Yeah, so I so I don't know I don't know whether um, Toronto knew that Giannis was not going to play when that when they decided they were going to rest him. Like I'm not sure mm-hmm. the sequence of that. Um, but I, I walked into shoot around yesterday, and the first thing I noticed—I mean, I, I always walk in and just see who's there, see if anyone notable is missing. The f- first thing I realized, Giannis isn't there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I, this could mean something. Maybe it doesn't, but this is interesting. And we were just standing around, and then it saw a tweet that that Kawhi wasn't going to play. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Um, and then probably it was probably about five ten minutes after that that they that they handed out the the release that um, Giannis wasn't going to play. So um, I mean I think anytime someone sort of has 
this type of concussion, whether um, it, the, the hit itself is scary, but when you had that sort of delayed um, symptom type thing, it's, it's pretty scary. And I don't think that, I don't think that's something that anyone really wants to mess with, particularly, yeah, regardless of which, of what player it is. So, um, definitely if he had anything going on, it was obviously the right move. And I guess in the end, in terms of the Bucks results, it was probably, I guess, fortunate that the Kawhi didn't play as well, but definitely, uh, you know, the concern will be, you know, what, what, what's this going to mean for Giannis going forward? How long is, are these symptoms going to hang around? Um, and I guess we wait and see. We got a couple more days off, so uh, you'd definitely like to see him back sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think that that was kind of the thought. So I mean, so I, I found out the same order, you know, obviously just like everybody else did. I was at the gym, and I was even talking because I, I had gotten tickets from a friend of mine to go to the game, and I was pumped. I was like, sweet, six and zero teams going in. Raptors easily top you know four teams in the East. Obviously, they're the second best team in the East right now, just based on record. Um, but you know, you were looking at that, and you're kind of like, this is a potential like you know Eastern Conference matchup. You know, things of that nature. Kind of not necessarily calling it, but looking down the line at what this could be. And they say Kawhi's out, and I'm like, sweet, we're gonna go seven and zero. We'll stay undefeated. And then I come to find out that Giannis is out. I'm like, okay, well, now you got to think about it because who else does do does Toronto even have really? Kyle Lowry, and then you think, um, you know, you, you think about my mind. My mind obviously went straight. I was like, oh, Demar Derozan. I was like, oh, wait, he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> obviously, duh. And then I was like, I couldn't even really tell you. And then I was like, Serge, yeah, that's fine. But going into this game, I was like, oh, we should we should win, but. I was really curious on how this team was going to look without Giannis, what Coach Bud was going to do, who he was even going to start. Um, obviously, Ersan Ilyasova getting the call, who is no, you know, he hasn't, it's not like he hasn't started before. He knows he knows what he's doing. He's been under Coach Bud before, and he knows what's going on. So overall, you know, going into this game, I wasn't worried. But watching the game, you could really tell there was something missing without Giannis there. Um, obviously, it's a seven-foot you know guy out that's not there. But you could really tell the offense was trying to figure out its identity, who was going to kind of step up and be the guy. Um, but that first half, Chris Middleton, one field goal made, two free throws, and we were up by six or nine or something like that. And, and that, to me, was crazy. And looking at that and seeing how this team kind of rallied together, spread the ball around a lot more, and was able to kind of just divvy it up. But give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, in terms of who was going to step up without Giannis, it was it was his replacement, Ersan. He, he came out, he scored the first five points of the game, and just in general, I mean, he I mean he just does stuff, and and you know he was shooting the threes, he was always rebounding, he drew a charge. I mean, he was just doing all the stuff that you expect to do from him. Um, so so he led from the front. Malcolm Brogdon was another guy who. Uh, I mean, he put some moves on. He was looking really sharp. And he, he did have a couple of games um, earlier in the season where you were like, ah, oh, I, I feel like Brogdon's still trying to figure it out. His spot in this lineup playing next to Bledsoe, then Milton Giannis like to handle the ball a little bit. But he, he's looked pretty good these last few games. Um, so he was, he was another guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought... I think I, I texted you actually. You asked me if I wanted to have a chat today, and and I said I, I think that the Bucks are going to be fine because um, 
you know, I think they're sneakily deep now. And I mm-hmm. don't think that's something we've been able to say before. But I think they're deep because I think the system makes them deep. So when I say that, they they twice they went with a lineup of, and we were like, when I first saw the lineup, I was like, this is interesting. It was Hanson, Thon, uh, Tony Snell, DiVincenzo, oh, yep. and Brogdon. I think you tweeted about it too. I think I saw that. I think I tweeted about it multiple times because <laughs> I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I'm like, this is incredible. So, yeah. So my first thought when I seen that lineup, I was like, okay, um, I'm interested to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also thought to myself, how would this lineup have gone last year under Jason Kidd? And I mean, it would have been an absolute train wreck. So yep. the reason that this group still managed to... Uh, well, not only just like uh, stay, keep their head above water, they they went on runs both times. This group went on a run, so which is ridiculous. But they're able to do that because this is this is like the ultimate like test of the system, and it proves that they 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 can put these guys in, and even the guys that aren't haven't been playing a lot, they know the system, they know where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and just by working the ball around and being in the right uh, spots, spacing the floor, they're going to find them. They're going to find good looks. Mm-hmm. And they were up against largely what was the Raptors' uh, second unit, and they tore them apart. I think the second uh, the second unit points was forty eight to thirty two, um, off the top of my head. But it was, I mean, it was it was hard not to watch that. And I, I was just shaking my head because I'm like, these guys, like, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone's bored into what they're doing. Everyone's getting shots. Yeah, it's not like it, like no one is missing out. So they had, I know they had seven guys, they had seven guys, seven guys in double digits. But if you look at the starters, so this is a, this is the field goal attempts they had. Ersan had twelve, Middleton eleven, Bledsoe twelve, Brogdon eleven, Lopez ten. It's yeah. like everyone's getting theirs. It's, yep. It doesn't matter. So they know they're fine with moving the ball. They're fine with being unselfish at times because they know that they're going to get their looks. So. Um, Everyone is just—I mean, it, it's pretty—it's incredible to watch, and it's probably—we—we um, we probably all, you know, get more excited about just because we haven't watched a system at all for four years, and so we're probably just like in complete shock. But I—I um, I tweeted something this morning about the fact that, uh, you know, about what I just spoke about, and I said that I said that it was Spurs-like, and I know that that's like a pretty serious comment, but. Mm-hmm. I mean that in the way that what I'm saying that you can put any of these guys in from one through to fourteen when DJ hasn't played yet, but one through to fourteen and every single one of these guys has looked good and looked better than probably what you would have thought playing in that system, particularly the bench guys. So the way that they they can just like mix and match their lineups and still survive is it's Spurs like the system is rock solid right now. It is, and I think you hit on all the points with it. It's everybody's bought in. Everybody knows their role when they're in the game. Do you know what I mean? It's like everybody kind of understands that they're going to share the ball. Everybody understands that they are going to get their shots, so nobody's trying to force it really. Bledsoe does drive, but he drives on good matchups, and when there's a lane, it's not like he's trying to force the ball, which is something that we didn't see last year. We kind of saw a ball hog Bledsoe, a basket vision Bledsoe. Now he is looking to spread it out a little bit more. Um, Does he sometimes take some bad shots? Yeah, but... Yes, I mean Middleton still does a back down turnaround jumper from the mid range every once in a while as well. Yeah. So I think you're seeing a lot of different like a, 
at the end of last season, I think, and this is a testament to everything, I did not want to pay Bledsoe at all. I wanted to trade him. I wanted him off the team. I thought he hurt us in the playoffs. And really, it's part of the reason why we lost that, outside of, obviously, Prunty coaching us. Now I'm watching him, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see more of Bledsoe. I want to see him out there with Giannis. I feel like they're learning how to play together. And as you said, under a head coach that actually does it. Um, And I completely agree with your point about Brockton. He's looked shaky um, you know, on the court, just trying to find his spot, I really think. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to be expected because he was treated fairly poorly um, with Kidd as head coach, whether it was when he got sat for half the game against the Timberwolves or he didn't, and he didn't even know why. And well, I mean, it wasn't his fault that Kidd, you know, saw Sterling Brown first. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly what it was. He's only human. Yeah. Um, so I think like you're seeing him finally getting, you know, steady minutes in a steady rotation, playing with the same guys, and really kind of figuring out. And last night, I thought there was a bit of determination to kind of prove his his worth here. Last night, watching him out there, he was playing with a different kind of style of like trying to drive to the hole or trying to make shots happen and trying to make other people better, which I don't think he felt comfortable doing within his first year and uh, two years here. So overall, I think it's good. Um, You know, one thing that I think that I kind of tweeted out, and I think that this was during the Magic game, but one thing I want to see is Giannis attempting more three-pointers, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I feel like people still sag off of him so much because he hasn't proven he's got a steady three-pointer. And I feel like there's sometimes top of the key, straight onto the basket, easiest three-pointer to make in the game. Why not just pull up for it twice a game, three times a game? You know, you're not seeing a consistent two to three attempts a game. I mean, I think John Henson's got more attempts right now (laughs) than Giannis does, and I feel like that could really help elevate his game and prove it out a little bit more. But I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's probably... um... He's probably still one of the only guys on the on, on the roster that you really see hesitate about shooting that, um, and I think that's I, I, he. I mean, you ask him, and he's not. I mean, he's willing to shoot the ball. I I don't think it's him, um, you know, hesitating so much about shooting. And I think that he's just so dominant everywhere else that he knows that he can like he can get a dunk or he can get a layup or mm-hmm. he can set someone else up for a three. Um, but it hasn't been... I, I just got the numbers up when you started talking about that. So he's, he's attempting 2.7 a game, which would be okay. which would be a career high. Um, but he did attempt 7 in that one game uh, also, which is obviously going to bump that up a little True. bit. Um, but he's only made one. So he's one for 16 on the year. Uh, not great. Not great. Uh, <laughs> not, not what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, not great. Uh, but... You know, I, I think the big thing with him is that he he doesn't sort of, um, which I don't think he will, but doesn't lose you know, confidence in, in in the ability to, to shoot that um, because uh, I'm sort of I'm trying to think I, I could have swore that he, he hit more than more than one because the one I remember is which was uh, against the Knicks was the corner three I mean it was a big three in the in the fourth quarter he yeah hit, he hit a big um, a big three pointer. Uh, from the corner, so I guess uh, that's basketball reference. So I guess that's the only one he's made. I, I uh, yeah, I, I thought he might have hit more than that. Yeah, one for three against uh, the Knicks. Yeah, I, I mean that that was definitely a big shot. Um, but uh, I just want to go back to you when you were talking about Brogdon, mm-hmm. who was um, you know working his way into the system, and I, I think that that's I think that's in, 
I think it's like both important to remember, but also uh, ridiculous to think about. These guys are—they're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So, this is brand new. A couple of preseason games. We're not even out of October yet. They're still working through their own roles. Yep. And I think Giannis himself has had a lot of that. I don't think he's really come close to hitting his straps yet. And he said himself he's playing B-grade uh, basketball, putting up huge numbers. But he's at times has looked a little confused, I guess, or, or just uncomfortable and, and still trying to figure it out. So, uh, I mean, that's ridiculous in itself that these guys are still learning. They're still working through it. Yep. And other than, you know, the Charlotte game, they've... they've destroyed six teams in a row they're seven and oh the only undefeated team while they're still making adjustments i mean yeah i i did think i looked at the schedule before the season started and i thought well you know this is going to be tough to start the season in a new system new coach uh they're going to be still trying to iron out some kinks uh it hasn't been the case they i mean no one's got close to them so and and I mean, in itself, that is just, that's ridiculous. Because, like, what happens when this team, I mean, they've scored 60 points in every half. Last night, no Giannis. Middleton only scores 14. Lopez doesn't even get in double digits. Mm-hmm. So you get 23 points total out of your top three scorers, and you still score 124 points. It's like, what happens when these guys, I, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen when these guys figure it out? I have no idea, and that's what I was... I just wrote that down, actually, so I didn't forget to bring it up. 124 points without Giannis. I tweeted that out. It was amazing. And my friend and I, who were at the game, we were like, "Okay, how do we get 224?" We're like, "Okay, we looked at like who was who was on the on the court, and we we're like, okay, well, like Chris has like 10, Ursan's at like 19, and we were like trying to piece it all together, but like it just was spread around so much. And you're right, in a system that like they're not even fully implemented yet, they're they've got the base, I think, of it really, and they're trying to build on top of that. But and to your point about you know these first seven games, you've seen different lineups out there almost every night whether due to injury or just because i think bud's trying different things out seeing who really matches up or plays well against um with each other but you know it's just it's been crazy to me i mean it's even crazy to me seeing dante DiVincenzo play 23 minutes a game plus seven on the court 12 points last night four for nine you know he's kind of getting comfortable he's actually draining some three-pointers which we didn't see in the preseason and I know we touched on him in our last podcast a little bit about how he's been getting minutes, but that was a smaller sample size. We got seven games in now. I, like, that's crazy to me how we actually got a good draft pick. But if Jason Kidd was coaching, he probably wouldn't even see the court. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the big thing. Um, and, you know, Budenholz is known for developing young players. Um, and I, I think the same with... So that's the, that's the thing right now. I... I I think DiVincenzo has done some really good things. Um, I think also he's done some things that you would expect from a rookie. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, he's pretty, I and mean, he's pretty wild out there. Like he is, like you, like you'll just be sitting there and you'll just see this like figure go flying through the air, and he might like completely miss the rebound or something like that, and you're yep. just like, what the hell what is was that? that guy doing? <laughs> like, and that happens at least a couple of times a game. But he's doing enough good things that. Um, he he's going to keep playing, and now he's actually he's starting to get reward for that in the last couple of games and um, scored double digits now. Uh, the last two games, yep. so fifteen and then and then and then twelve last night. So mm-hmm. it's good to see him start to get some reward for that. And I do think at some point he is going to throw down 
a massive value. Like he, the, that that guy, he's gonna, get up. he's gonna, yeah, he can. His vertical is crazy. Watching him jump for boards, I'm just like, that dude's yeah. so tiny. How is he getting up there? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's like he's entertaining to watch, and he's getting up. He's getting up just under four uh, threes a game, um, and like you said, he's starting to knock him down now. He's up to just a touch under thirty percent. So, uh, I think. You know, for most guys like that, I mean, if he's shooting four a game, if he can get that up to the mid, mid to mid to high thirties, then it, that's if he does all the other little things, then that that's all you're going to ask for from him. Well, especially for a rookie, and I, I don't, it hasn't looked to me like we are asking too much of him at all. It looks like he's taking everything in stride and he's doing everything that Bud wants him to do, whether it is from just a systematic standpoint of being in the right place at the right time. But he's also producing, which is great, and seeing him on the defensive end not always get taken advantage of or not always look like a rookie is maybe a better way to say it is is it's good to see and it's very it makes us hopeful it makes me hopeful anyway that he's going to really turn it into at, at the very least a solid role player and you know has definitely a higher ceiling of being a high production guy and potentially in a starting lineup somewhere um question for you though Kane I know in the last episode I made the joke of if Henson can do it anybody can do it but I think that we're seeing the best play out of John Henson from an all-around basketball standpoint that we've ever seen in his tenure with the Bucks. And uh, you know, do you think that's just because it's Coach Bud? Do you think it's because Giannis has really like you know just broken it open for him, and all he has to do is focus on rim protection and rebounding? But you know, give me your thought on that. This is something I've been kind of tossing around in the brain the past couple games. Well. What I like about it is that Henson's not—he's not doing anything. You know, he's he's staying well within his capabilities. So, <laughs> and you might say, "Well, he's shooting threes," but I mean, this guy—if you've watched him for years, like in the warm-ups or mm-hmm. at practice, and he like he can hit an open three. I mean, these guys can hit open threes, and that's all he's doing. Um, I mean, I—I I don't necessarily think the Bucks have been great with Henson on the floor, particularly. Um, yeah, in comparison with Lopez or or if they run sort of an Ursan Giannis lineup, yeah, I think they're obviously the two ideal uh, lineups. But for Henson, you're right. I mean, if he's going to just block shots on one end and 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 take what comes to him in the other, we saw last night. I I, I mean, I don't know where that like putback dunk came yeah, from. Yeah, uh, that was I mean, crazy. I I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen really seen that from him. So. Um, Again, and and also another thing that's probably going to be important is he's been a guy in the past that as the season's gone on, he struggled with uh, load and um, the minutes and he has these sort of back issues and that sort of stuff that start to flare up. I mean, he's only playing 15 minutes a night, so like like we spoke about, the Bucks are deep now. They've got they've got plenty of different options. I know Thon came in and played some, especially last night, played um, and, and made an impact uh, there and Christian Woods like in, in the background there sort of... Uh, on the periphery, so I yeah, I think Henson himself is going to benefit a lot from having to do less and just literally just fitting in the system and taking what comes to him. I think that's going to be important. You don't want him doing too much. No, that's for sure. And I and I didn't mean to be like super big Henson fan, but I think that you're seeing how this system can really help a player like that who never really shined kind of 
you know, is disliked by a lot of people from fans and, you know, don't like what he's putting out. I, I don't think he's obviously worth what we're paying him, but I think that he's definitely a great role player and does help when he can. Um, you know, obviously as a team, they're probably a little worse off when he's out there just because he doesn't bring a lot from an offensive perspective, which this team is a very offensive-heavy scheme. Um, obviously scoring in the 120s and scoring 60 a half has shown. Um, and let's – but to your point about Thon Baker – Big news today, picked up his team, we picked up his team option um, along with T.J. Wilson. So, you know, give me your thoughts on that. You know, you think Horst is really liking what he sees out there. Do you want to, do you think they're going to keep him for trade value? The D.J. Wilson, um, I don't understand it. He hasn't even seen the floor yet this year, whether it's because of injury or because they don't want to play him. I don't know. I mean, if you really think he's, I, I'm kind of out on D.J. Wilson, I think, but that's me. Um, but Kane, give me your thoughts. Yeah, the fine line didn't surprise me at all. I mean, yeah. they've like from day one, they've said that they love this guy, they love how hard he works, they they think that he's got the potential to be a real player. Um, and you know, I think for him, um, it's been good to see. Obviously, the first couple of games of Minnesota and Orlando, he got his first minutes, but they were just garbage minutes. Um, you know, so it's you don't really take a whole lot from that other than oh, it's good for him to get some run. Um, I think last night was it was real. I think it was really important to see that he before the game, uh, Bud mentioned that Thon was going to be the guy that was going to come in and, and and get minutes with Giannis out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think playing the four suits him uh, particularly defensively. Um, I think that that's that's a really uh, tough spot for him to be in. But um, you know, after a bit of a sketchy start a few fumbles which we know he can be prone to and a big mm-hmm. thing that he needs to just he needs to uh cut out he came back in the second quarter he was really good hit a three he was he made a couple of nice cuts some dunks there he got to the foul line um you know i think for him it was good and it was another it was another reminder that i you know that this could be in terms of having coaching and someone that's going to encourage him to play to his strengths, uh, fit in with fit in, fit in with the system again, it was a nice reminder that this guy could be valuable because uh, while you know it's fine to you know for Henson to shoot those threes, and I, I think I I mentioned that if he was going to start shooting those threes, and that might be bad news for Thon, but they are they're different. Like, do I would I feel comfortable with 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 Thon shooting a three over Henson? Yeah, yes, I would. Yeah. He, it's more natural. It's mm-hmm. it's what he's done from, you know, playing junior junior basketball and all the rest. He can also provide provide the rim protection. So, I, I wasn't at all surprised that they picked up his option. Um, probably the big thing is it's just going to be interesting to see when Giannis does come back if Thon can stay in the rotation. I'm not sure how that works out, and I'm not sure what their plans are long term with Henson and and Thon. Um, I feel like them two are probably going to be in a bit of a battle there for that for that spot because once you put Jonas's thirty plus minutes back in, um, you know, it makes things it makes things difficult. But yep. uh, I thought, given you know the situation, I, I don't think they could have asked much more. No, definitely, and I think that you know one point seven rebounds, you know, for a guy who's quoted as being the worst seven foot rebounder in the NBA. For to watch him get out there confidently, box out to confidently get down there and bang with the big men, get those boards. A couple of them were open, but and came right to him. But overall, I just felt like he was good. He was in the right position at the right time, and you know that wasn't something that we had seen a lot from Thon. 
I am, you know, quoted as being one of the big Don haters. Um, so I'm still not on board. I think that this is better than what we've seen from him. It wasn't playoff Don for sure, but, you know, I think it was good. And to your point, it's it's nice to see that you can kind of rely on him a little bit and not I wasn't as worried when he was on the court as I had been in previous years under Kidd. And I think totally agree with your point of how his game works better in this system than a John Henson, um, just because of, as you said, his three-point shooting is more natural. He looks more comfortable in that kind of an offense. He's He is younger, and he can kind of get in that transition offense a lot better and actually fit in it. So I think, you know, overall... But I, I don't know. Do you think he's going to get minutes? Is That's the honest question. Like, do you think he's going to get a lot of minutes when Giannis comes back? Well... Uh, I mean, no, like not not initially because I, I don't think Kenson. Uh, I mean, I think Kenson's done enough to probably like stay in the rotation. Um, but I I do think that you know again if if Thon and this might be something that never happens, but like in terms of like the hands and the you know just being a little bit wild at times, it's if you can just like limit those issues mm-hmm. because. You know, there's a couple times there, and then one time he did get a rebound. And he just fired the ball like so hard at I think it was Brogdon. Or something. Yeah. You know, seriously, and then they took his head off. He passed it like yeah, you know, from me to your way, and I'm just like just little stuff like that. I think he just like he's so overexcited, like he he's just out of control at times. But he mentioned to me after the Orlando game that because uh, I asked him, I said, how do you feel about just playing like the final ten minutes of the game? Is that hard to do? And he said, he goes, yeah, I've never been someone that 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 is able to just come in the game once and pick up the speed of the game and, and play well. He goes, I need to like sit down. He goes, whether it's a timeout, whether it's um, you know, the end of a quarter. He goes, I always feel better the second time. Once I get the second mm. chance to come in, I'm like, okay, I'm settled down. I've got a feel for it. Um, and he told me when he was playing high school, he used to just um, he used to check himself out after a minute just so he could sit down. And I, I don't know. It's like it's a, it's a unique type thing. But he said that to me after the Orlando game, and then this game last night, his first stint was a little, you know, sketchy. And then he comes back the second time and plays really well. So I don't know. I mean, he called it. That's what he said. He goes, I just need to be able to sit down, uh, think about the game, pick up the pace of the game a little bit better, relax, come back in, and I, I feel better. And I guess that's what happened. I mean, it is important to be self aware for sure. And I and I can totally see that. I can totally understand why that would make sense. You get out there, maybe you're a little nervous, maybe you know, the kind of adrenaline's pumping and you're yeah. like you do a couple things, you sit there and you're like, Okay, I got this, I know what I'm doing now, let's just get out here, let's let's run this thing. I totally get that and I you know, I'm interested to see how Bud's lineups kind of go and I mean you know, how much is he gonna dip onto the end of that bench, whether you know, you're looking at guys like Sterling Brown. Pat Connaughton's gotten some more minutes recently, but hadn't early in the season. Um, Christian Wood, as you had mentioned earlier in the episode. You know, I think that'll be very interesting to see as we go into this, um, in the rest of the season. Uh, let's talk about Thursday's game because it's a big one. Uh, fully healthy Boston in Boston against hopefully a fully healthy Milwaukee Bucks. You know, this could be arguably the biggest game of this half of the season this is the by far number one seed i think as everybody would call it in the eastern conference regardless of where the standings are right now you know what do you think going into this game you know any any big points you want to make on this uh it's exciting it's another big one i feel like you know this the way the season has started it's just been like yeah, in terms of what people, the teams think that are going to be the contenders, it's just been one after the other after mm-hmm. the other, and the Bucks have just handled every single one of them. 
and and hardly broken a sweat. So uh, this one's on the road though, which does change things. So the Bucks have had a pretty they've had a heavy home schedule to start the season. They've only yep. been on the road twice in the first seven. Um, so again. I know they have this one, but just projecting ahead again, and they go uh, out west next week. So things like they don't get any easier for the Bucks. So um, I think that's probably you know makes the seven and zero start even more important. Um, considering that you know, I mean, it's going to lighten up eventually, but to get all these wins in the bank is big. But this one, TNT, it's like you know, last time they were last time they were there it was Game Seven. Uh, I believe that was also on TNT. So, yeah. look, they're going to have some motivation there. Um, obviously, Haywood and, and Kyrie uh, will be playing. Um, but the Celtics, they haven't been great. Look, they're mm. working through um, they're working through some stuff, and particularly offensively, they, they haven't uh, quite ironed out the, uh, you know, some of the issues um, with their offense, um, which, which again, isn't all that surprising. I, I thought looking into the season, I'm like, they've just got so many different guys that can get stuff done um, on their own that, you know, you can't always just, you know, throw these guys together and think, well, we've got the talent, the individual talent that's going to work. Um, so, you know, luckily, luckily for them, they've got Brad Stevens who, you know, is a magician and he'll, Great he'll, he'll, and he'll figure it out. So I'm not, I'm certainly not concerned. I mean, they're still four and two, so I'm, I'm definitely not concerned about their start. Uh, I feel like it's eventually going to click for them, um, you know, in one particular game, and then they'll probably be like, they'll be okay from there. And maybe that happens this Thursday night. I, I, I don't know, but um, you know, there's some there's some good matchups out there. Like if you think, you know, Giannis again is is well, it's going to be interesting to see who they throw it throw at Giannis. We know, yeah, last year. Um, that that Giannis had you know some monster uh, or monster performances in the playoffs, and then he had that really uh, quiet game game five where they put uh, Ojale on him, and that's going to be interesting to see how early they go to do that because I mean he's just a he's just a monster frame, and that of course that is if Giannis plays, but um, you know I mean they they were a bit premature with the Giannis stopper stuff, but um, he's certainly someone that can that can probably. Um, you know, at least physically be able to give Giannis something to think about. Um, and then, you know, Middleton and, and Malpy Hayward or Middleton and Tatum, like, like give me that matchup all day long. Then Bledsoe, at some point, he's going to be playing on, on Rosier, right? Yeah, I mean, at that's some, true. At some they, time, that's going to happen. happen. Yeah, that's and, for sure going to happen. And, like, you know, if there was ever a guy that had, you know, motivation to redeem himself, then it's going to be Bledsoe. So I'm really curious to see how he responds going back to Boston. Um, I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot of stories. I'm, I'm like, I'm excited. You know, regardless of you know the result or whatever, I'm just excited to see how they go back in there and 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 how motivated they are to to beat this team. Which I I, I figure, I feel like this group holds on to grudges. So I, I think they'll definitely be talking about it. Well, they even talked about the playoff series against Toronto two years right. ago last night. So, you know, I think that that's totally true. They're holding grudges. My biggest fear is that Bledsoe, to your point about Terry Rogier, is going to go in, try to play hero ball almost a little bit, and maybe break the offensive scheme a little bit. I hope that they can kind of rein that in and they can kind of emotionally check themselves. Um, you know, we got a two-day break, which I love. I was really happy seeing that going into this game, knowing the importance of it, regardless of what our um, record was heading into it. I knew what this game meant because as Bucks fans, we know what this team can do, and now we've shown it kind of to the world. 
and going to this game is even more important. Um, Celtics have Detroit tonight at home, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Detroit is also like six and one right now, or they've only lost one game, and that was Saturday to the Celtics. So that's been interesting to see how that progresses if they can hold that or not. But I think you know every point that you made is completely valid. But the Celtics are just so well coached. They have guys that can at any point go off for a big run that it's it's just scary to think about. But now you're kind of starting to see that a little bit with some of the Bucks players, whether it's Lopez hitting that five three-pointer streak in uh, that game against the Sixers, Middleton going out there and just getting hot, um, and Ursan just making moves everywhere on the floor. You know, there's a lot of guys out here that can make this really interesting, and, you know, we haven't seen a game of this importance yet um, this season. So, I, you know, Thursday night, you know, I, obviously we're going to go 82-0, so we're going to win Thursday. You can only, yeah. I mean, <laughs> We're gonna I don't know what else is going to happen. I, yeah, I mean, I can't, as you said before the podcast, can't even see them losing to anybody anymore. Um, you know, but, and then, I don't want to cut off anything else you have to say about the Celtics, but to you alluded to this earlier, we go on a big West Coast spin here. We, you know, oops, I'm looking at the Boston Celtics schedule. Let me pull up the Bucks again. But we go at Portland at Golden State, at the Clippers, and then at the Nuggets. All of those games are going to be tough games. L.A. matches up really well with us because DeAndre Jordan is just a monster down low. Um, Golden State is our 10th game, and if we are 9-0 at that point, they're going to have a crutch of their own because we ended their winning streak. Um, Denver is sneaky good this year. Jokic is just, a, again, a monster in the paint. So, I mean, and outside of it even. So, I mean, this this stretch, I think, is really going to prove what the Bucks have this year because, and super early in the season. And I think, to your point, of us getting these seven wins is so big that, like, it's it's going to kind of set a tone for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, the NBA season, man. You don't get much of a break. It's like they get a couple of days here, a couple of days either side of the Celtics. So, it's like a quiet week. Mm-hmm. Then they're right back into it Sunday afternoon at home against the Kings, and then they go on that that four game uh, trip. So it's another five games in was that eight days? Five games in eight days. So with the travel, so yeah, I mean that's you know they're not getting you know a lot of time to get settled uh, early in the season, and they're all, they're playing the good teams. So um, yeah, I mean I guess it feels like or it felt like the whole time it's just like one hurdle after the other, and, yep. they, and they keep and they. They keep doing it, so um, you know it'll be fun for this thing to keep going for a little while longer. But uh, you know Thursday is going to be uh, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast. You know, let's get your final thoughts here on anything you want to talk about, um, what you've seen so far in these first seven games, or what we got up ahead. No, the big th- I don't have a lot more to add. Then the big thing would be Giannis. Uh, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. That he's feeling good, and fingers crossed he can play Thursday. But if you know whatever, most importantly, hopefully he's um, you know feeling feeling okay and not and not um, suffering from that concussion. I mean, concussions are always bad, and I think as a public, we're all a lot more aware of how bad they are. So you know, I think it's definitely if we have to sit him, sit him. I'd rather lose the eighth game of the season than have him have issues in the 80th game of the season. So I think that's for sure, you know, what we're hoping for. We can score 124 without him. It's fun. Yeah, but that was as well. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. But, you know, <laughs> so we'll see. This is going to be the first two trust, true test 
on Thursday. Um, you know, all Bucks fans out there will be watching at home or whatever bar you decide to make your home at. And uh, look to be seeing a lot of you guys out. And uh, thank you for listening or watching. And uh, really appreciate it. Cheers, guys.